Welcome back to the Katya Outdoors podcast. Thank you for joining us. And today we have a conversation that I think is a bit controversial. I don't think it was in the past, but over time, um, we've seen kind of a delineation between the schools of thought when it comes to hunting. And I want to get into it today. I think it's an interesting discussion. And I know it's just me talking today, but I'm really hoping that there's some reciprocity by uh, feedback, via feedback. So leave a comment. Uh, if this, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to it on Apple, Spotify, shoot over to YouTube, leave a comment. I want to get some feedback from you as hunters and get your perspective on this topic. We're going to be talking about road hunting today. So before I get into the conversation, I want to tell you a story, a story from last year, 2022. So if you've, if you've watched our videos, if you've listened to what we have to say, you know that we're big proponents of backpack hunting. Uh, we like to get out there, put boots on the ground, hike the miles, and do it on our, on our own two feet. Last year, we went to our trusty spot for archery season. And as we usually do, we, we left after work. On Friday, we usually try to cut our workday short, get out of town. It's a long drive and get to the trailhead before it's too late. Usually we get there after dark and hike to the spike camp spot after dark. So that's that's what we did. We got to our spot. I think it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. We all put on our backpacks. Uh, there was four of us in the group. We were Our plan was to split off into groups of two uh, once we hit spike camp and go in different directions. So we put on our backpacks, we hike in, got camp set up at, you know, one o'clock in the morning, something like that. The next day, it was me and John hunting, and we, it was a grind that day. It was a great day. We saw, we saw a few bucks. We saw a bunch of bears. I wound up harvesting a bear, uh, probably as the crow flies, maybe a mile and a half from spike camp, but it was down a cliff. So we, we left before dark, or excuse me, we left before light on opening morning of archery season to hike to our, the spot we wanted to get to at first light. So we got there and set up, and then we just kept pushing our way down this ridge throughout the day. And I shot my bear uh, in the afternoon, early afternoon. And leading up to this week, this weekend of hunting, my whole family had gotten sick with COVID. And I thought I had dodged the bullet. And hiking in, I felt fantastic Friday night. Saturday morning, opener comes around, and I start to feel worse and worse and worse. So we hike all the way down there. I wind up shooting this bear, and we quarter it up, put it in our packs, and we start to hike out. And the, I mean, if you've hiked out an animal on your back up a cliff, you know it's difficult to begin with. But compounding with that was the fact that I was feeling sick. I was getting weaker and weaker. I was cramping up. So... We grounded out. We got back to camp late that night. So we were hiking all day Saturday. And the second half of the day, we're hiking this bear out. Well, come Sunday morning, we had to make a decision because we had burned through so much water um, that we were way more than anticipated. We were getting a little bit low and we had camped way above water. So we had a couple of choices. We could leave the bear meat hanging up and hike down a thousand feet or so to get water, hike it back to camp, and then get the bear meat out to the truck where we had our coolers. But I didn't want to risk that because it was so hot. So I decided, let's just hike this bear out. Let's get to the truck, put it in the coolers, and let's drive to water. Let's go find water down the road somewhere. 
uh, maybe hike a shorter distance from the road to a creek, somewhere where there's, you know, somewhere in a low spot where there's going to be water. And also, I was feeling really sick, and I honestly just did not want to hike anymore. My body was just done. So I was super weak. I was sweating and just, you know, just getting sick. I don't need to go into all the details of getting sick. You all have been sick. You know what it feels like. So Sunday morning, we pack up the bear meat. John and I hike out to the truck, put the meat in the coolers. We brought with us a bunch of water tanks, water bags. Uh, We're going to go fill up water. So we get in the truck and we're driving down the road and we start seeing deer. So a couple deer here, a couple deer there. And so we're like, hey, we got our bows with us. It's hunting season. We both have deer tags. So I had only filled a bear tag. Neither one of us had filled our deer tags. I'm like, let's let's slow down. Let's let's take our time. So on that trip to go get water, we spotted two different bachelor groups of bucks. None of them were giants. I think they were all forkies, and then there was one three by three that we spotted. John was able to put a couple of stocks on. Um, couldn't get it done on those stocks, but we made our trip to water and filled up. We came back to the trailhead. By that time, the other guys had hiked down to the trailhead to get more water for themselves. And we talked about it and, uh, we're like, Hey, we're seeing deer off the road. We hadn't seen that many deer hiking in. So let's take advantage of this. Let's go check it out. We have to get water anyways. Now it was their turn to fill up. So we said, hey, we found this spot to get water. It's about three miles from here down the road. Let's just drive slow and see what we see. So we're, we're in the lead. We're driving, um, headed to our spot to get water. And I see in my peripheral vision, I see a couple of bucks feeding down this little hill off the side of the road, maybe 40, 50 yards. So I turned to John. I said, hey, keep driving. I saw some bucks. I'm going to go kill one. So he keeps driving maybe another 150 yards just out of ear and eye shot from these deer to where they would not freak out if we stopped. So he stops. I grab my bow. I'm real quiet. And I put a stock just walking back up the road. I get to a spot when I can see this deer has no idea I'm there. They check the wind. Everything's good. And I was able to wait for him to go to turn broadside. I had a downhill shot at about 40 yards and I harvested my archery buck. So why do I tell you that story? Well, this is coming from a guy who loves to backpack hunt, prefers it over everything else. And I've fallen, I realize I've fallen into the trap a little bit of looking down. I don't want to say looking down on, but that's kind of what it is looking down on road hunting. And I've had to kind of shake myself out of that because hunting is a multifaceted endeavor and it takes all kinds. And what's enjoyable for one person may be miserable to the next. And there's something to be said for road hunting if you approach it from a tactical perspective. And I want to talk about that today. Like how, how would you, how should you approach road hunting? Can you have a quality road hunt? So a little bit of history about me. I grew up road hunting with my dad. My dad was not a backpack hunter. My dad got introduced to hunting. He grew up fishing with his dad, my grandfather, uh, down in Arizona, uh, but never did hunt. So he moved to California and he didn't get into hunting until after I was born. So he's, you know, an adult. He's in his 30s. 
he's uh, and he he'd heard about this spot up in C Zone uh, from a coworker. He said, "Hey, if you want to get into hunting, I know this great spot. It's up in C Zone, and bucks everywhere." So that was back in the early '90s, I believe. And uh, so he went with my mom and his brother-in-law and sister, my aunt and uncle. They did a couple's trip up there, and long story short, there were bucks everywhere. But that experience of getting out there and hunting and seeing all those bucks lit a fire in him. And he became an avid hunter. Every year we'd go. It was like a family vacation. We'd plan it. We'd go. But he pretty much exclusively road hunted. He wasn't a backpack hunter. He didn't like to sleep on the ground. He didn't pack a tent. Uh, we did walk. We'd walk trails. Um, we would drive and walk a little bit and then sit down and and wait and uh, see if anything came by. But his main thing was road hunting. And he averaged a kill, a buck kill, every other year. I can't remember a time when he ever bought that second tag. Maybe he did and I just don't remember. But, but he was a road hunter. And he enjoyed it. And to be honest with you, road hunting made it possible for the four of us in my family, me, my sister, and my mom and dad, to all do this, this hunting thing together and enjoy it. So he had a pickup truck with a camper shell on the back, and we would set up sleeping bags. It was sealed so it wouldn't get dusty and stuff in there. It didn't get too cold. We'd have sleeping bags. We'd have games and snacks, and, and we would just would just cruise around back there in our sweatpants, eating snacks, playing games, looking out the window. Um, and then as I got older and it became more interesting to me, I would start riding on the back on the tailgate and I would start looking for deer and I'd be like a spotter. And if I'd see something, I'd tap on the camper shell. And it was this whole family thing um, of road hunting every year. And I got to experience seeing my dad kill deer in really incredible ways. And maybe I'll talk about that later on in this episode, but it, it created a lot of memories for me and it created a love for hunting in me, even though it wasn't backpack hunting, even though I wouldn't call myself a road hunter now, I don't really road hunt. But my point in telling you the story about last year's deer is don't discount it. So as, as hunting has become kind of mainstream, you've seen there's a shift that's happened where I would say 20, 30, 40 years ago, hunting was just hunting. So the goal was to fill a tag and get an animal, put meat in the freezer. It didn't really matter how you did it. If you went on a game drive, if you sat in a tree stand, if you hiked with a backpack, if you drove around on the roads, the goal was just, it, the goal was always the same, to get an animal. Well, as hunting has become this mainstream thing, for better or for worse, there's a cultural shift. And I've watched it happen where you have the quote unquote hardcore hunters who are, they're going to grind it out. They're going to live in the backcountry, And I'm one of them. I love to do it. Um, I'll go, we'll go live in the backcountry for a week and love every second of it. And it's almost like that crowd. And I've been guilty of it. You look down on the guys who are sitting in the cab of their truck with a heater and a warm cup of coffee, cruising around on the logging roads, looking for deer. And I wanted to make this podcast because I think it's time for us to check ourselves a little bit because it takes all kinds and hunting is something that we all value and there are good experiences to be had and there's success to be had no matter how you go about it. Obviously, as long as you're doing things morally and legally correct, go out and have fun. 
And especially in California, and I'll talk about this in a minute, you have really unique opportunities as a road hunter. Um, I don't know when the term road hunter was coined, but I imagine it wasn't that long ago. Um, I imagine it's, it, it was when you saw this kind of cultural shift. I imagine it used to just be called hunting. And I would like to get back to that. I think that um, it's dangerous for us to become divided as a hunting community. And we're all out there to do the same thing. We are enjoying our public resources, our, our tax dollars, our tag revenues. They're paying for this. So go out and enjoy it. I'm not going to look down on you for road hunting because you find it miserable to go live in the backcountry for a week. So I think it's more important for us to be unified and have a united front as hunters where we all care about the same things. We want sustainable resources. We want to see this game around for the long haul. We want to pass this down to our kids. We want to share these experiences with our friends and family, whether it's in the cab of a truck or with a backpack on three miles, five miles, 10 miles in the backcountry. The desires are the same and they come from the same place. So I think it's important for us as a community to kind of do away with those stereotypes that have developed. And I think a lot of it is commercially driven. That's just my, my thought, my opinion. Again, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Obviously, we're not sitting here having a two-way conversation, but I want to see what your feedback is. I think that the commercialization of hunting over the last 10 years, it's created this kind of toxic diversity where, and it makes sense from a sales perspective, like road hunters don't care about backpacks. Road hunters don't really care about high-end camo or breathable merino wool shirts because they're sitting in the cab of a truck. So road hunting doesn't sell as much merchandise as backpack hunting in some retailers' perspectives. And I get that. You, have to, you, you need to market to the people that are most likely to buy your products. I understand that. But we had to be careful as hunters to not let that kind of cloud our judgment when it comes to our community as hunters. So while we're, while we're talking about road hunting, I want to share some tips that you're probably not going to hear from anywhere else because I'm going to give you some tips. And again, I grew up road hunting with my dad almost ex pretty much exclusively. So I'm really familiar with it. I'm, I'm familiar with what works and doesn't work. So I'm going to give you some tips and some tapped and some tactics. If you despise backpack hunting or it just doesn't interest you, maybe you're not physically able to backpack hunt. Maybe you used to and those days are over and you just you just enjoy sitting in your pickup truck with a family member, a buddy, and uh, that's just your that's the experience you want to have. Awesome. I'm sure you still want to be successful. So let's talk about ways that you can be successful if you're exclusively road hunting or using that as your primary tool. Let's talk a little bit about what makes California unique in terms of road hunting opportunities. So we've hunted quite a bit of states across the West and California doesn't have a lot of expansive roadless land. What you have are expansive, heavily roaded lands. So there's a, there's a ton of forest service roads, logging roads um, that you can access, freely drive on, and even the, the land that's owned by 
logging companies is usually open to the public and there's logging roads all over those those lands so you have this unique layout where you'll have tens of thousands millions of acres of forest land just crisscrossed with roads and so what good is it to get out and just hike and hike and hike and hike when you're going to be crossing road after road after road I've done it before. I've I've I thought I was way back in somewhere, parked the truck, got out of the truck, started hiking, hiked for an hour and ran into another road. Um kind of before I started using mapping systems and stuff like that. So you have this opportunity to access so much forest land from the truck and cover a lot of ground. The trap usually is that it's almost too much. And so the danger when you're road hunting, the danger is looking at this, looking at your map and seeing this, these vast expanses of land just covered in roads, like a spider web of roads, and you don't know where to start. And then when you do get out there, you feel like you have to cover all this ground and you feel like you're do, doing a better job at hunting by covering more ground and more ground. And it winds up being this pedal to the metal kind of approach where you're just driving and driving and driving and you're looking as you're driving and the point is more to drive than it is to hunt that's the trap of road hunting whereas backpack hunting it forces you to slow down obviously you're not going to walk that fast so you're hunting a small area and it forces you to actually hunt so how can you take advantage of all of these roads without getting overwhelmed and getting just thrown off by the sheer expanse of the land and the, the hundreds of thousands of miles of roads that you have at your uh, disposal. How do you approach this? Well, the hunting fundamentals remain the same. Deer are still deer. The forest is still the forest. And so as a hunter, you can approach road hunting in some similar ways that you do backpack hunting. One thing you have to remember is that just as if you were to walk in a straight line across the terrain to get from point A to point B, you would cross roads, so do animals. Animals are crossing those roads. So if you pay attention, if you slow down, and I would challenge you to do this, if you're a road hunter, and maybe you haven't had a lot of success, maybe you've experienced what I'm talking about, where you get out and you just drive and drive and drive, and it's just, you, you don't really know where to go, you're overwhelmed by the, the amount of roads, it kind of all looks the same, you're not really slowing down to actually hunt. You're just driving, basically. I would challenge you to really slow down while you're driving. And on top of looking for animals, look at the terrain. Pay attention to the foliage. Pay attention to the growth. Pay attention to, is this old growth forestry? Is it a burn area? How recent is the burn? And then is there water? Do you see seepage coming across the road? meaning there there might be a, a spring uh, on the uphill side or maybe downhill at the bottom of the hill. If you're driving on the side of a hill, maybe there's a creek down there. Um, pay attention to the layout of the land. And then while you're driving, also pay attention to the sign. A really good tactic for road hunting, this is kind of my first, I guess you could say tip for road hunting, is road hunt to find a place to stop and hunt. And what I mean by that is you're paying attention. It's not so much finding the animal. Obviously, if you see a buck, you're going to want to shoot it. Okay, that's a given. But pay attention to where the bucks are 
in relation to the road. You might not see a buck, okay? They know you're there. You're driving a truck. You're not fooling anybody. So pay attention to the sign that you see on the side of the road. There was a spot in C-Zone where my dad used to take me when I was a kid. And I remember this like it was yesterday. We were driving down this road and we saw this heavy use trail that crossed the road. So it came up on the downhill side, crossed the road. Tire tracks had, had covered it up on the road. But on the, both sides, there was just this, it looked like a freeway. And the, the dirt was kind of concaved um, from the animals passing through this trail. So we got out and we started walking this trail, just slow walking it. And we and we bumped deer after deer after deer. We didn't see a buck on that on that trip. So but I remember that like it was yesterday. So using road hunting to find the terrain that they're living in, the terrain that they're using to move around cuz like I said, they have to cross those roads too. And I'll tell you another story about road hunting. One year uh, this was actually up in C zone. Um, I was hunting up, up the side of a hill. So I was maybe a quarter of a mile up this hill and I was slow walking the side of this hill. And I knew below me a quarter mile down was a road and it was opening day of rifle season. And I was hearing truck after truck after truck. I got to a point when I could see down this road and I watched this truck drive by. I think there was three or four guys in a Jeep and they, they were driving slow looking for animals weren't paying attention to the ground. It didn't seem to me they were just driving. And on their right, on the uphill side, was this thick grove of young growth pine trees. So if you've ever driven by, you've seen it. It's, it's, they all grow really close together. They're all about, I don't know, maybe two, three inches in diameter, really tight cluster. They drove right past this clump of trees, kept on going. They disappeared. The second they disappeared, four deer came out of that grove of pine trees and just walked across the road, not a care in the world. Right there, probably 20 yards off the road. They were just standing there waiting for that truck to go by. Now, it's easy to miss those deer. For every deer you do see from the road, you're missing who knows how many deer, okay? They know how to hide. But if you're paying attention to the terrain, if you're paying attention to the sign that you're seeing on the edges of the road, you can know, hey, this is a high traffic area. Something's down there they're going to. There's water down there or something's up on that hillside. It's, it could be feed. It could be a bedding area. But pay attention to the sign you're seeing around you. The first deer I ever killed, I was 13 years old. We were driving down a road up in C-Zone, one of my favorite places in the world, the C-Zones. We're driving down a road and it was one of those situations where we were paying attention to the sign around us. And we spotted a lot of heavy use crossing the road and we knew on the downhill side there was water on the uphill side there were no more roads to the top of the mountain and the top of the mountain was maybe it wasn't that far maybe a half a mile so we decided we're going to slow walk this trail so the road hunting helped us to find the crossing points where the deer were living so we wound up getting out of the truck it was me and my dad and a buddy of ours and we were slow walking this trail we get out of the truck we're walking up the trail not even a hundred yards down the trail but out of sight of the road, there was a buck and two does. And I remember just, I said, there's a buck, Dad. I pulled up my rifle and one shot. I got him at probably 80 yards. It was a close shot. Those deer had no idea we were there. And road hunting got us to where the deer were. So 
I didn't shoot the deer from the truck or anything, but road hunting helped us find the place where the deer were living. And that would be my number one tip for you is use the use your truck as a means of finding those high those heavy use areas because you're going to have these vast geographical areas and there's not going to be a lot of deer in every area there just isn't but there are going to be pockets where those deer live and at some point uh, in most areas in california those deer are going to have to cross a road so be the one to find the place where they cross and then figure out what to do from there use your hunting skills to read the terrain, to read the sign, to know why they're moving back and forth, to know that, hey, there's there's a four-year-old, five-year-old burn up that hill with great feed sources. I know there's a water source down this hill. That's why they're crossing this road. I'm going to be here when that when that deer crosses again. Know how to read sign. Know what a buck uh, track looks like versus a doe track. That's where hunting skills come into play. And you can still utilize those skills from a truck. Another thing you can do with road hunting that can help you be successful is to have a plan. Like I said a little bit ago, it's easy to get overwhelmed when you just have these vast expanses of terrain and endless miles of road that you can just drive. And it's easy to just get lost in driving and looking for deer. What's your plan? Where are you going? Where are you headed? Why are you headed there? Do you, is this a good area? Have you looked at this on uh, like a Google earth or you know, the go hunt maps or Onyx maps, have you have you researched why you're here? Or are you just here because there's a road here? So have a plan. Take a look at the terrain. Take a look at historical kill data, which is available to the public on the California Department of Fish and Wildlife website. And, and again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about using your vehicle to find those like heavy use areas and find the areas where deer are living is have a plan. Is your plan to just cover a bunch of ground and find that sign? Or maybe you're in an area where, where a lot of deer are crisscrossing um, and your your goal is to slow down and really pay attention to the landscape and pick out deer that you just can't see by driving too fast. Like, what's your plan here? How do you want to hunt this terrain? Or don't just drive for the sake of driving. Have a plan. You'll, you'll find you're a lot more successful year over year. And you will find, we talk a lot about honey holes, and we believe in the value of finding honey holes, especially on public land and over-the-counter units. And there are honey holes you can find from road hunting. And it may not be that you kill a deer from your truck every time, um, but it could be that you find those hot spots where deer like to cross, where it's the perfect kind of confluence of terrain where you have like shoots or funnels or maybe there's a lot of pressure in these certain areas that push deer across this road on opening day. Um, if you're really, if you're tactical and you and you make a plan, and you read the maps and you figure out where pressure is coming from, where feed might be, you can start to formulate these plans when you're driving. You're not just driving for the sake of driving. You'll find a lot more success that way. Another thing you can do when you're road hunting is use your glass. And you, and you probably already do. You probably already have your, your binoculars on your lap, on your chest, whatever, within arm's reach. Um, but are you using them enough? So when you're still hunting, when you're, when you're walking around in the backcountry with a backpack, the rule of thumb is always look ahead with your binoculars before you walk. The naked eye just can't see as much as you can with a set of binoculars up to your eyes. You just can't. The same rule applies 
for road hunting. So just like I told you about the guys in the Jeep with the deer just off the road in the clump of trees, what would have happened if they had slowed down and picked through those trees, those thick areas with their glass? Yeah, it takes more time. But if you've read the sign and you have a plan, you know that you're in the deer's living room, okay? You know that this is where they're living. This is where they're moving. So it pays off to glass to take advantage of every opportunity where you just can't see. There's a clump of, of dark patch timber and it, it looks great. The sign is there, but you just can't really see through it. Don't drive by it. You're hunting. Chances are you're missing a lot of stuff by just driving and driving. Take out your glass and pick through the terrain. Like I said before too, for every deer you do see, you're missing so many. And one of the coolest road hunting experiences of my entire life happened when I was a kid. My dad was an incredible rifle shot, an offhand rifle shot, the best I've ever seen in my life. And I remember one morning we got up uh, late. We slept in, I think it was the third or fourth day of, of the season, back in C-Zone, good old C-Zone. And we decided, you know, we're not going to get up early. We're going to sleep in. We're going to go into town and get breakfast. We had this breakfast spot we loved. And so we go into town. My dad has this big old breakfast. I think it's chicken fried steak, biscuits and gravy, just the whole thing, right? So we decided we're going to do a late morning road hunt after that. Well, it was about a 20-minute drive from the restaurant to where the road cut off from the main road, the dirt road. And about five minutes into the dirt road, my dad is out cold. He's in a, a carb coma. So he's asleep. I'm in the back of the truck with my sister. And my mom's driving. And my mom, my mom loves to hunt. My mom loves to spot deer. She loves the whole experience. So she's locked in. She's driving. She's looking for deer. My dad is sound asleep. And I'll never forget this moment for the rest of my life. So my mom's driving and she slams on the brakes. She said, there's a buck, there's a buck right off the side of the road. So my dad from a dead sleep wakes up, grabs his rifle, steps out of the truck, puts a shell in the chamber, goes around the back of the truck. And by that time, this deer was spooked. This deer was bedded maybe 20 feet off the side of the road. And it was a really nice three by three buck, still in velvet. I remember the vision of this as clear as day. This deer had jumped up out of its bed and started bounding down the road. You know how deer jump, like they're on pogo sticks. He's bounding down, uh, not the road, down the hill, just straight downhill, steep hill. My dad pulls up his rifle and he times this, this shot. As the deer's running, just all he can see is his butt and his head as he's running down the hill. He times it to where the deer's head comes up on a jump and he shoots this deer in the back of the head at a dead run. All just pure instincts, shooter's instincts. And I watched that deer come up on a jump and just hit the dirt. Dead. Didn't run one more step. And I remember hiking down the hill with my mom and dad, grabbing this deer and hiking that thing up the hill. It had run maybe 80 yards by the time he shot it. And I'll never forget that experience. But that deer, that buck, had sat through when it, from whenever it bedded down to whenever my dad shot it. That deer was bedded. It was behind a log. And the only way you could see it 
my mom spotted the pattern of its antlers sticking up over the log. That was it. No ears, no body, no nothing. Just the pattern of the antlers. So why do I tell you that story? Because we were not the only truck to drive down that road that day. There were countless other trucks. It was a well-traveled road. And that buck was sitting there 20 feet from the road. So pay attention. Slow down. Use your glass. And when your eyes just can't quite see it, use your glass to pick it apart. So if you trust your hunting skills, your knowledge, your scouting, you know you're in in the deer's living room. You know you're in their bedroom. You know they're in their kitchen. So slow down, use your glass to your advantage, and pick apart the terrain. There's no rush. So the last thing I'll talk about today is what to do when you actually see a buck. The first instinct of a new road hunter is to slam on the brakes. And that's the one thing you just can't do, okay? You have to keep going. So when you see a buck, you have to keep going the same rate you're going. Because let me tell you something about deer. Just like any other animal, they adapt. Deer adapt to the sound of a vehicle. That's like you if you ever talk to a logger, they'll tell you stories about bucks just walking through the grounds 20 yards from where they're doing all their logging. Because deer have adapted to the sound of an 18-wheeler of a tractor, chainsaws, they just, they get used to it. They adapt. So all those trucks driving up and down that road, deer get used to it because the vast majority of them aren't shooting at those deer. So they don't see it as a threat. The variable is when you slam on your brakes. So when you hit your brakes, all of a sudden something has changed in that vehicle sound dynamic. Now you're a risk. Now you've got their attention. Now they're going to hunker down they're going, to, they're going to stand stock still. They're not going to move. Or they're going to run. So one or the other. Either way, you've warned them that something's up. Something's different. So your best bet, if you see a buck, as long as it's not already in motion, is to keep driving. Get out of earshot. Get out of eye shot or out of their vision where you can slowly leave your truck running too. So stop the vehicle. Keep it running. Open your door. Don't close your door. Just leave it slightly ajar. Grab your weapon and you make a stock back to that animal. And pay attention as you're driving past the animal. Slow down your brain a little bit. You'll be freaking out. And pay attention to the terrain around you. How can you use this terrain to your advantage to get to that animal? And remember wind. So if you see an animal uphill, just pay attention to the thermals. Is the wind going to blow you out? That deer can smell your vehicle. But if it gets a fresh scent of you with your biscuits and gravy, then he's probably going to run. So use the terrain, find a spot that you can stock, pay attention to your surroundings, and then make a stock. That's the best way to do it. And then one last thing I'll tell you about road hunting is if you are a pure, a purist road hunter, if that's your exclusive way of hunting, you love it, that's fine. Do your thing. Just know that if you buy a bear tag, you're probably not going to fill it. In all of my years of road hunting, I have never seen a bear from a road. Not one time. Uh, I have friends that have uh, on a handful of occasions, not much. And when they have, those bears run a dead run. Last year, actually, I saw a bear off the side of the highway, probably 100 yards off the highway, 
really cool blonde colored bear. We turned around so I could get a picture of it and it was already gone. That's the only time I've ever seen it, but that was a paved road. That wasn't a dirt road. So I've never seen a bear from a logging road, forest service road, never. In all the miles and years of driving in the backcountry, I've never seen it. I've seen countless bears in the backcountry. There are so many bears in California. If you want to bear hunt, don't try to bear hunt from the road. It's You're just not going to be successful. Your chances of being successful are super slim, okay? In my experience, bears, bears are more skittish than deer when it comes to human activity. A bear will cut and run when a deer will look at you with curiosity. So last year when I was uh, during archery season, I had spotted a bear down a ridge to my right. And the, the bear was coming uphill towards me and thermals were going downhill. So I knew I had to book it down this hill to get ahead of before that bear got, got to the point when he crossed my wind. So as I'm booking it down the hill, I knew that bear couldn't see me or smell me or even hear me. While I was doing that, Ben and Omar were on another ridge on my left and my scent went down the ridge because I kind of stayed to the left side of the hill because I knew the bear I was after was on the right. My scent went down the left side of the hill. I never saw it. I never heard it. But I pushed out another bear that was on my left for my thermals going down the hill. That bear went out of there so fast, it scared everybody involved. Just crashing through the brush, took off like it was shot. I never even saw it. They told me later, hey, you busted a bear out of this canyon. I said, well, I wasn't hunting down there. I was actually chasing a bear in the next canyon. But my point is, bear are ext extremely sensitive to human pressure, to human smells. That's why you just don't see them from roads. The only time you see them from roads are like what I would call domesticized bears, like you see in Yosemite, where they're so conditioned to human activity that it's not really the bear you're going to experience in most hunting conditions. So <clears throat> have realistic expectations. If you have a bear tag, plan on hunting it differently. If you're road hunting, plan on hunting it differently than you do deer. So if you want to be successful with bear hunting, plan on hunting it you know, from a backpack with glass. One more story I'll leave you with when it comes to bears. So Ben and I were on a mountainside and we there was a, there was a ridge line that ran uphill to our right up to a mountaintop and this road kind of paralleled the mount the uh, ridge line but it was probably a half a mile to a mile from the road to the top of the ridge line it was a good hike so we had pretty much explored everything around the road and we decided we want to go hike up this mountain towards that ridge line because we knew the the tree line broke maybe halfway up and we wanted to go check it out so we get out of the truck we start hiking out of visibility from the road where we couldn't see this spot was a really nice chocolate phase, color phase black bear that we rousted from his bed, just chilling up on this hill. As the crow flies, maybe half a mile, quarter of a mile from the road, but just far enough where he couldn't hear the road. He couldn't see the road. He wasn't spooked by the road. Couldn't see human activity. That's what you're going to have to do with bear hunting. If you're a road hunter, you want to be successful with your bear tag, plan on doing things like that. You can still use the road 
to get to certain points, but you're going to have to get out of your truck and look. You're going to have, you have to get out of your truck and find those spots where bears feel secure away from human activity because they're just so sensitive to it. So I hope these, these tips that I've laid out, I hope they're helpful for you. I know a lot of road hunters go out every year, um, and maybe you don't call yourself a road hunter. Maybe in your mind that's a pejorative term, um, but you spend the most of, of your hunting season behind the wheel of your truck or riding with a buddy, driving roads just looking for deer. And if that's your thing, go for it. If, that, if that's what you enjoy, that's your right. Enjoy all the roads we have. Enjoy the outdoors. Hopefully these tips will make you more successful. Hopefully you can fill that tag. And I hope that this conversation doesn't stop here. I hope that we can kind of address the, uh, the dichotomy that's formed in the hunting community and the disparaging kind of, not really a conflict, but the disparaging approach that a lot of backpackers take towards guys that spend the majority of their time in a truck. And if that's where you kill your deer, awesome. It's a lot easier than hiking them out, I can tell you that. Just enjoy it. Enjoy your time in the woods. Enjoy making memories. And I'm thankful for the memories I have as from my dad who was a road hunter. Is that my exclusive way of hunting now? No, but hey, last year I killed a buck road hunting kind of by accident. And maybe I'll kill another one. I probably will. But the, the truth remains the same, that we're all there with shared values, I hopefully, shared values, shared morals, um, with a shared appreciation of our wilderness areas, our wildlife, and we want to see it sustained. So it doesn't do us any good to take sides. This isn't a political matter. This isn't, you know, forming sides of the aisle where we have our backpack hunters and our road hunters and somehow they're at odds or one is better than the other. No, it's just different paths to the same goal. We all want to get out there. We want to fill our tag. And so this season and beyond, I, I wish you all the best. I really hope these tips and tactics shed some new light onto road hunting. And I hope you find success. So be safe. Take advantage of your opportunities. And just get out there and hunt. Enjoy our, our great outdoors. So that's all I've got for you today. Once again, thank you for joining. And as always, go check out our website. Uh, we appreciate your support. Katchaoutdoors.com, uh, C-A-C-C-I-A. We have our gear shop there and our new line of t-shirts, the Hunt CA series. So we have a uh, one that just dropped a couple weeks ago with all the, the California hunting zones. It's pretty cool. So that's how we support all these projects, uh, just our own in-house stuff. So we appreciate you checking out, appreciate the support, and we will see you on the next podcast. 